For Arizona Public Media, I'm Tim Swindle, Director of the University of Arizona's Lunar and Planetary Laboratory, and this is Arizona Science. Joining us today is Joyce Schroeder, the head of the University of Arizona's Department of Molecular and Cellular Biology. Welcome, Joyce. Thank you, Tim. I'm happy to be here. You've been leading the university's effort to evaluate uh, cell phone apps for contact tracing as a part of the effort to stop the spread of COVID-19. The effort to control the spread has been referred to as test, trace, and treat. Could you explain the basic idea behind the tracing part of it? Whenever the community is facing the spread of an infection, epidemiologists have had the ability to test, trace, and isolate as part of their toolkit in controlling the spread of infection. So testing obviously is finding out who has an infection. Tracing has to do with discovering who those positively tested individuals have come in contact with and possibly spread the infection to. And then isolation involves taking both the positives and the people who were in contact with that positives and quarantining them away from the rest of the community. Traditionally, the tracing is done by just a lot of people talking to a lot of people, but you're trying to find a digital way to do this. How did you go about finding an app? A number of countries started doing this recently to try and follow and do the contact tracing. What most of us dislike about the process that they used is, is they used a centralized tracing protocol in which they collected information on people. And for many of us, we're not interested in having in, in, in handing the government a way to trace our location and to trace our contacts. Well, in early spring, Apple and Google decided to collaborate to allow these sorts of apps to be developed in a completely privacy-protecting, anonymous way. And once everyone understood that that was their goal, uh, many of us started following this more closely as a possible route to use digital exposure notification to enhance our ability to contact trace. They're using a low energy Bluetooth uh, modification of the operating system that does not collect any data. And this is the piece that I think is really hard for people to understand how you can have an app on your phone that doesn't collect your data. And the way that they've developed this is, is, is really sort of amazing in that they've developed a way for the phones to talk to each other in a non-identifiable way. So the phones sort of continually churn out random lists of numbers. And phones that have apps activated can turn out those random lists of numbers and listen for those random lists of numbers. And in that way, a phone knows if it's been next to another phone without having to provide any information about the user of that phone, the owner of that phone. It's just the phones spitting out these random numbers to each other. Uh, what fraction of the population has to be using the app for it to be effective? There's been a number of studies that have occurred to evaluate how effective an app such as this can be. And the number that is brought out commonly is that 56% of a given population has to be utilizing an app for it to be effective. But the reality is that 56% number shows by modeling that if 56% of the people utilize this app correctly, you could actually completely stop infectious spread. And what they've shown is that many lower levels of app usage will cause a distinct slowing of infectious spread. And they've shown that as low as 20% of app adoption can have an impact on the spread of infection. And how long will the testing process work before you actually start 
uh, asking people to download it? We're currently doing testing of functionality on the U of A campus. There are a small cadre of volunteers right now who are doing all the things that we need to do just to make sure that it works. So um, if we set two phones next to each other, can we measure a signal six feet apart? If we then take those two phones and put a wall in between, does that attenuate the signal in a way that's useful to us? So one of the things, of course, we're concerned about being on a university campus is two students sitting in a classroom next to each other for an hour, and it would give a positive exposure notification. But what about two students sitting in two different classrooms with a wall next to each other, with a wall between them, which would indicate that yes, they're within six feet of each other, but there's really no danger of, of exposure because there's a wall sitting in front of them. So we need to ensure that we get an attenuation that the app can actually read out in a useful way. Well, good luck with it. Thank you very much. You're welcome. This is Tim Swindle, and this has been Arizona Science. You can also listen to this and other Arizona Science segments by going to the Arizona Public Media website at azpm.org. 